the garden help you need. From three of the top experts in the Mid-South, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to have y'all with us this morning. Good morning, it's spring, Kenneth. y'all. Yes, it's spring, y'all. Hey, it's nothing like March rains bring in April rains, right? Yeah. Oh, is that the way they go? Oh, no, no, it's April showers. Bring May flowers. Yeah. You know what May flowers bring? Pollen. Hot weather. Pilgrims. <laughs> you know, it used to be oh, uh, March man. winds. You know, March, <laughs> March winds bring April rains. No, March rains. heard that March one. rains bring April rains. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. It's over for this morning. We're going to have a wonderful beautiful morning you i know, was thinking thank goodness it rained so all the plants we got in this week mm-hmm. could really be watered because mm-hmm. we had so many and the girls were like how do we water all these must have stormed really bad last night because it picked up my umbrella and picked the table on the deck and oh, turned yeah. it over <gasps> and did oh. luckily it didn't break the glass top we were real surprised. wow that's but, uh, you, yeah. know, you know how many times i've picked up a table and and, and went and found the flying umbrella <laughs> yeah. in the backyard I've got three over in my shade garden. I hope they're still there. It was too dark to go look. (laughs) (laughs) So then I learned uh, if there's even a chance of rain, just wheel that thing down, tied up, and usually I'm in pretty good shape. Right, but you know how you do. Uh, You're in bed and go, oh, no. Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what Carol said. She she said she tried to get it down and couldn't get it to crank down because I had it tilted. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, right. So anyway, we'll see what's all blown my over. My son's everywhere. kayak is full of dirt this morning. <laughs> oh, did you use it as a wheelbarrow? No, uh-uh. that's where it landed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so uh, just may as well plant a flower or two in it go. now. Yeah. Oh, God, right. Well, y'all, it's uh, it has. I mean, we had a beautiful week mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. We I mean, did, then yeah. of course here it is raining on the weekend, which, like you said, I but mean, it's done. We'll be begging for these rains before it's all said and done. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, when it starts getting hot and dry, and it, I promise you, it will. In fact, I felt a little too much humidity yesterday. I know. To be quite honest with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. But this it, week's cooler. Yeah, but I'm t- Memphis is a beautiful yeah. place without humidity. It really it, is. Yeah, agreed. God, yeah. But I, I mean, yesterday, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's not like it's summertime yet, but I'm thinking, ooh, I'm feeling just a little sticky it's, out here. It's you know? I think we get nervous because we think summer's here now. Well, I get nervous <laughs> because I know humidity's on the way. Isn't that so? We start dreading it before it even yes, gets here. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah, so I had a friend who bought a convertible, and he said, I wouldn't have bought it if I don't know that you can't use it, but like two weeks a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple weeks in the fall, maybe one week in the spring, yeah. right? Right, exactly. Well, listen, uh, at the Garden Center, uh, you know, we've talked about Crate Myrtle Bark Scale for 10 years now, and it seems like all of a sudden this year, and, and even lately, I'm getting more samples of Crate Myrtle Bark Scale in the Garden Center. Uh, you know, and it seemed like last year, we, I didn't see that much of it. Yeah, that did happen, didn't it? You know, and yeah. of course, that's where, you know, the crepe myrtles start turning black because of the sooty mold, and you see the little white bumps on there, which are the scale. Um, so I'm just saying, if you've got crepe myrtles, guys, go out there and make your rounds, look at the trunks and the limbs, look for the little scale, white barnacles that are mm-hmm. stuck on there, or look for the black sooty mold, which is a dead giveaway also. And if you do have crepe myrtle bark scale, because I've had people come into the garden center and say, I heard that you just spray with this or spray with this. I'm saying, no, not really. 
you know, there's the product called Tree and Shrub Insect Drench that you mix with water, and you pour it right around the base of the crepe myrtle. Uh, and the beauty of that product, and y'all know, Jim and Veda, is you only have to do it one time. And, you know, typically one application will last a whole growing season. And if we've seen more. where, exactly. And we've seen where, you know, it had sometimes which, a two, even a three year residual. Which may have been why the second year wasn't so bad and now it's out of the system. Yeah, it could be. Mm, but I'm maybe. just seeing more of it some reason this year already than I did last year. So just be aware. You know, of course, we all have crepe myrtles in our yard, right? And, um, you know, you don't want them, you know, infested with crepe myrtle bark scale. And you surely don't want that black sooty mold to start growing on that secretion that those scale give off. It makes them look horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, of course, everything under the crepe myrtle is turned black, whether it's furniture, grass, flowers, shrubs, whatever. So it's just not a good look is my point. But, uh, yeah, get out there and mix that product and just pour it around the uh, base of the crepe myrtle. Now, the only stipulation with that drench that I know of anyway, is just don't use the drench if the ground is already wet or waterlogged. So Soggy today would not frozen. be a good day. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You know? Now, and remember when, when Crate Myrtle Bark Scale first made it to Shelby County? We saw a lot of that, what they call a mealybug destroyer, mm-hmm. the little fuzzy little white mm-hmm. things that were climbing up and down the trunks of the Crate Myrtles. Mm-hmm. And they were a natural predator of Crate Myrtle Bark Scale. Well, I'm seeing a lot of crepe myrtle bark scale, but I'm not seeing really the little mealybug destroyer uh, that usually goes with it. Maybe. Yeah, Yeah. I would think, you know, by mid-May or so, we should start seeing them. Yeah. Okay, well, good. All right. Yeah. Of course, those predators. You know, I'd still treat the crepe myrtle. Well, yeah, and I'm thinking, well, is it because, you know, the crepe myrtles were frozen so bad mm, last year and maybe thinking. they're weakened mm-hmm. you know to where the scale are really taking advantage of a weakened plant i don't know because it's really been weakened two years in a row actually yeah yeah well we'll just keep those crepe myrtle bark scale under yeah control. and it's easy to control it i mean just mix it and pour it i mean it mm-hmm. can't get any easier than that and it okay. does a really good job but and, it, and that's important is you don't spray it all out in the root system you you pour it right at the base you know, because if you're trying to spray it out there in the turf to get it in there, you don't know whether there are roots under there or not. Right. You need to have all that product right there. It's absorbed readily through bark, through uh, any kind of tissue. Right. So it's going to be right there. Well, um, we're so used to putting things out around the drip line right. of any tree or shrub, and that's typically where they take in most of whatever. But uh, on crepe myrtle bark scale, like you said, Jim, Veda, you don't do it. You pour it right around the base mm-hmm. of the crepe myrtle. And people look at me like, Okay, you sure that's what it says on the label? I'm like, yeah, you know, that's where you want to pour it because that's typically not what we do. So if you had a lot of camellia, a lot of camellia on your scale, which sometimes it looks that way. Yeah, use it on my scale scale for camellias. Right, so you (laughs) what did we say? So you can use it for that, the drench. Also, I see the Burford Hollies. Uh, they get it a they lot. They get T-scale. Yep. Yeah, so you can use it on that as well. And that's another thing. I've had a lot of people come in with yellow spotted leaves from their mm-hmm. mature hollies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, most of that's just superficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, evergreens shed, believe it or not. Uh, and we're seeing a good bit more shedding, natural shedding on evergreens like hollies. Uh, I have this spring than I have in years past. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, and you know, as long as the new growth comes out pretty and green and clean, we're fine. Mm-hmm. Now, I still say go out there and feed these hollies 
uh, because they're replacing more foliage this spring than they typically have to. Uh, in fact, feed all of your shrubs this year <laughs> after this winter we went through. But uh, if you're seeing a lot of the yellow leaves falling out of the hollies already this spring, uh, that's not really an indication that there's anything wrong with the holly. It's more weather-related than anything. So um, <laughs> my mind just went to a whole other topic. The, ma- the Japanese maple tree, I read the name, the tag really quick. We've got it in, but I'm not sure I read it right now. She, she. Shishi Gashiro, so yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the lion's head maple. Ah, that one's just walking out the door so fast. It looks so cute. People love it. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful tree. It's going to max out six to eight feet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit slow growing. I, I thought Shishi Garcia was a camellia. It well, there is, is a Shishi Gashira camellia. That's okay. why I was like, did I read the yeah. tag too yeah. quick? But no, that's that's the that's the correct name for it. Yeah. I like that yeah. one. Yeah, Japanese maples always love it this time anyway, because you just start seeing them flushing the, out with mm-hmm. the beautiful leaves. Yeah. So um, get them backlit either in the morning or in the evening with sun. They're mm-hmm. they're spectacular. They really yeah. are. I mean, people want them so bad that they're willing to grow them in shade and have a little bit of burn on the leaves, mm-hmm. you know, in the summertime, because everybody wants a Japanese maple. But they're they're really hardy. They really are still a good planting. Uh, amendment would be good with it. Maybe oh, yeah. we don't have to amend it as much as we do dogwoods. But I'd plant it high just like a dogwood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they hate wet feet, and they surely don't like a lot of mulch on their roots either. I don't right, like wet true. feet either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a break. Call us 260-5926. Now. To Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back. You're listening to Beta Kenneth and Jim. Call us, 260-5926. Is that it? 260-5926. Mm-hmm. Or, of course, go to Facebook Live, and there's the gardening show, uh, Mid-South Gardening, right there, Miss Veda. Yeah, exactly. You can uh, shoot in a text. Uh, we'll answer it. As soon as we get it. And hold on, let me say this real quick. You were talking about Japanese maples a while mm-hmm. ago. You know, and you were talking about the drainage. I mean, they you better have good drainage around those Japanese maples. Uh, I mean, you know, some things can tolerate a good bit of water, and there's some things that can't. And, you know, first thing we always think about, and y'all alluded to that, was are dogwoods. Well, I put Japanese red maples in the same category as a... Um, dogwood when it comes to drainage mm-hmm. and then the same thing we mentioned about how they don't like to have a lot of mulch uh, on the top of their roots and we see that and hear that all the time you know how many of us go out there veda we put that new mulch down every year and sometimes you know we've got layers of mulch that are pretty darn thick okay yeah it's mulch dust yeah well and you're <laughs> right jim that's what it turns into but my point is, I don't mind a light layer of mulch on the top of the root system of my Japanese maples. That's fine, you know, it, for aesthetic reasons, holds the moisture in to some extent in the summertime, helps keep the weeds out of there. Uh, but just remember, don't have a heavy layer of mulch uh, on the top of the root system of these beautiful Japanese maples. And have you seen Japanese maple bark scale yet? I've heard of it, Jim, uh, and it's, you know... If you think it looks bad on a crepe myrtle, mm. wait till you see it on a maple that's been ignored. Now, is that a an Asian scale also? It is, yes. So are we going to treat it the same way? I hope so. Yeah. So, 
I mean, the same, I guess the same. Yeah, it's, uh, it showed up in McMinnville a while back, and then um, friends sent me a picture of one from Little Rock that was just covered. In, and he was wondering whether Crate Myrtle Bark Scale had jumped to uh, Japanese, Japanese maples. maples. But no, this is a, this is a new new creature. Good so uh, it, it just covers the trunk in no time. Right, so I mean, you if you if you have it, you're going to you'll know it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and the same theory, you know, you keep your Japanese maple in this case as healthy as you possibly can through moisture and and feeding. Uh, and if you do see what Japanese maple bark scale, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's hard to say that. Lord, uh, get the same drench, uh, the tree interrupt insect drench, uh, and pour that around the base of it. Do you know, is it prevalent here in Shelby County yet? Because I have not heard or seen of it in the landscape here. Okay, but in Middle Tennessee... it's in, It was in found in some of the production nurseries over there, and some of the stuff was shipped uh, out of state before they realized they were infected. Mm. So, well, that's all we need, Veda, is another varmint. Oh, we got more coming. Asian longhorn beetle. That one's a biggie. And he's tough. He's made inroads now. He started up in the northeast, and now he's in around a substantial number of counties That's in South not that Carolina. Huge beetle. It's a big old sucker. Okay, got, that, got long antenna yeah. on it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really. Have um, you seen that thing, Veda? A what? The, Asian longhorn beetle. Uh, I mean, just it, in it, pictures. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it looks like a, a something from a horror movie. But mm, it will. It does. I mean, it <laughs> it'll eat everything as far as trees. I mean, it's. Just, and you're thinking that eventually we're going to get that thing it, here. Well, also? it's possible. I mean, I think it's past the point of eradication. It's going to be trust try to keep it contained. Um, but you know, the problem with the way we move across the country with freight and in cars and so forth, it's real easy to spread one of those, you know, and that, that lovely plant, you think, well, you know, I'm going to move to Arkansas. I'm going to take this sucker with me. Mm -hmm. Well, you you can take along some little hitchhikers. Mm -hmm. So uh, we no longer have, well, we have a global nursery now. I mean, you know, we've, we've had so many exotics we've brought over, uh, and some of them have come on their own. Uh, it's yeah. it, it's going to it's going to be a challenge in the future hmm. to maintain to keep some of these varmints out. Well, that doesn't make me feel any better. Well, it should. I mean, think all the insecticides you're going to sell. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's thinking about the nurserymen, no mm, doubt. Yep. <laughs> well, it's always something to keep us on our toes, no doubt about it. And what about Rose Rosette, guys? Are y'all already seeing some of that, Miss Veda? Mm-hmm. People bringing your samples at all? No, not um, seeing any of that yet. You know, and, it, <laughs> it, and Rose Rosette, you know, for people that have roses, it's a just a gnarly-looking, funky growth that's coming from, you know, your, your rose. Uh, and it's usually red, and, you know, it's got, you know, little thorns all over. I mean, you can tell it's a mutation. It looks horrible. Uh, but unfortunately, that is a viral that there's no really chemical control for. Uh, and I've already had people bringing me in samples. Now, you've got to be careful because a lot of new growth on roses has that red foliage. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and a lot of people see that and go, oh, my That's Lord. not a given. Right. Yeah. I've got rose rosette. Well, in fact, a lady brought in a sample yesterday of a perfectly healthy rose that just had that new growth, uh, which widened the case, thank goodness. But I have seen some cases of, uh, of witch's broom or rose rosette on roses. And we've talked about this before, but if you do have it, 
I mean, you can surely cut it out of there. And sometimes you can even still get more blooms, you know, from this rose. But invariably, eventually, you're going to have to take this yeah, rose Yeah, I'd out. take it out soon. If, you know. the, the, the downside is that right now, if you're seeing it on a plant, it was infected last year. Yeah. So uh, it's, you know, it, it's the plant's got it in there. And, and if you get mites feeding from your that plant and then get blown on to another because it's a mite that transmits that viral right it's a wind blown mite so you know you're likely to get it in your other roses what i am seeing a lot or heard of already is uh downy mildew on uh knockouts really yeah so many of the knockouts were stuck into greenhouses and during that really cold weather Mm -hmm. and they've gotten infected with downy mildew and getting shipped out to other places and so that's you know now what would be the symptoms of downy mildew on a well it kind of looks similar to black spot Mm -hmm. you know Um, more of a purplish yeah knockouts are supposedly resistant to black spot but here in memphis you'll see some but it's usually mm-hmm. concentrated around the bottom of the plant but the you with downy mildew you'll see it's all over the plant and it's kind of angular irregular purple spots mm-hmm. uh and that's another one it's best just to yank it out and start over again good lord really yeah i mean there are some sprays for downy mildew but for the cost of the rose, the bottom is of, of fungicide is going to co- cost you more than the rose would. <laughs> well, but now if you've got 20 knockouts out there and you've got downy mildew, then of course yeah, you're going to control it. Yeah. Oh, okay, so any good news, Miss Veda, this morning? I'm awake. You know? And here. <laughs> That's it. Good Lord. You know? Um, mm. Why am I just cheerful bringing all good news this morning? <laughs> uh, well, it makes sense, though, because, you know, they had to protect these roses during that crazy cold spell. And yeah. you get them all crammed into these, you know, hot, humid greenhouses. And it's a Petri dish for all kind of stuff, including downy mildew. And remember years ago, guys, that downy mildew, when it hit the impatience? Oh, yeah. Um, how it just decimated them. And, you know, for a year or two after that, a lot of people didn't want to plant impatience. They were scared to death that the same thing was going to happen. The experts said it it could be up to 10 years before you could. And and thank goodness, you know, the the very next year they were fine. Uh, You know, I I think I saw one or two cases of downy mildew on the impatience the next year. Uh, And that was it, you Mm -hmm. know, and I haven't seen it since then. But, um, you know, it's, it's... it's pr- proof how damaging it can be. Let me put yeah. it that way. <sighs> I'm glad we didn't have it because that's one of my favorite flowers is the impatient. So I was really worried that how would I function in a shade garden without impatience? So thank goodness the downy mildew just kind of stopped. And well, it stopped because all the impatience got yanked out of yeah. the ground <laughs> yeah, nothing and to thrown in on. the garbage can, yeah. you know? Well, like for the next year, though, you know, why, why did why did they it get cured? Did well, we just hit it quick enough? Well, and that's part of the thing is there wasn't near as many planted, so it wasn't as easy for it to spread. Yeah. Because uh, people were scared to death to plant yeah. But the the big problem was it was infected in a in a major producer of impatience. Mm-hmm. When he sent out all of his, you know, these were from I think 
Costa Rica or something where they grow these tiny, tiny little plugs, and then they send them out to growers. And those growers planted them, and they were already infected, and nobody knew it. And they went all over the country. I mean, they were, we're talking about millions and millions of them already infected. So that's the reason it was like a s- sudden explosion mm-hmm. of downy mildew. Hmm. All right, we're going to take a break. Give us a call, 260-5926. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. The good thing is the rain is over, your plants are loving it, and we get to garden later today. You think? I wonder. If you live in Arbor, Harbor, Arbor Town. Harbor Town? Harbor Town. Then, yeah, you'll probably be able to garden today because it's all sand and it just (laughs) runs right through. It's hard to get enough compost out there. I say that because we're in the process of trying to do something. Well, and most of us, and Jim always says this, and Lady, you allude to it, you know, most of us are blessed with this uh, wonderful, horrible clay. Yes. Mm You know, and Jim's just over here loving it. Love but it's kind of kind of good, really. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but 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 it's kind of bad. Yeah, well, yeah, because you have to spend more money to admit, amend it than you would in other areas. So yes. there goes some of your plant money on your soil. But so, <laughs> but clay, Jim and Vady, y'all have always said clay is is a good thing. Clay is good. If you got to start with something, you know, start with clay. Okay, but we, I mean, but that's, we still have to go out there and amend our clay yeah. though because loosening clay holds it, a lot of water. Yeah. Loosening it, loosening it, uh, and um, is that regenerative? Is? Uh, so what? Is that the regenerative word? I still can't say. Apparently so. And you're, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh heck, forgot what I was talking about. Well, what we were saying is clay, guys. Most of us have clay. Yeah, t- you have to loosen the <laughs> loosen the soil so that those new roots can take off and go through there because they're tiny little particles and they stack flat on top of each other. And water doesn't go through them easily. Uh, roots don't go through it easily. So and by loosening it, you just help that plant get established. All right, and let me ask you this. If, if you're going to plant a, a dogwood today, and dogwoods or whatever. And Too you know, wet to plant today. Well, but let's just say if it was a nice day, Jim, <laughs> and you were going to go out there and plant a dogwood. <laughs> there are so many wonderful soil amendments on the market now, whether it's actually just one a product called soil conditioner, which, is, nothing, which is pine fine. Uh, there's the cotton burr compost, which That's is a, a good, good grainy kind of compost, right? Um, and, you know, topsoil and, and, and garden soil. Do y'all have a favorite or do y'all like to use a combination of these soil amendments when you're amending your clay soil? Just, Our, to, just to plant a tree. Miss, Miss Organic, what are your thoughts? I like to use the one that has the shale in it, that fired shale, that because that also opens little avenues for for roots to grow. It's through. permanent. Permanent. Yeah. So the Espoma <laughs> Soil Perfector. Yeah, that's another good one. And then I have it in the Earth Mix thing mm-hmm. variety in some of the soils as well. But then there's another mixture. Like I like the Supernatural compost. And it's sort of like you supernatural, kind of, yeah, supernatural compost. It's movies. got everything in it. it. Didn't you get that one? No, you would have remembered. Well, you I got, which you know, one did you get? It's like supernatural. supernatural. Is that what it says? I think that, yeah, that's what it says. And then there's another mixture that has some topsoil in it mm-hmm. if you needed a heavier soil. So we're saying it's not really so, one that's a hundred percent better than mm-hmm. another one. It's just a matter of getting in there. 
whether it's a compost like the Cottonburg compost, mm-hmm. whether it's the soil conditioner, which is the pine fine, yeah, or whether it's a garden soil or even a topsoil, like you're saying, mm-hmm. Van, or a combination of those. The main thing is to get in there and just amend that clay. Yeah. Doing it is the most important thing. Right. Because like for, for the trees that we talk about that are really picky, like the cherry trees and the dogwoods, then I would like the one with the shell in it mm-hmm. to help with the drainage more and help the root system. If somebody made a new bed in a box, and right. I would want to use the one that has some of the topsoil in it mm-hmm. to get a little bit more substance with the organic matter. If you have a really good, fresh bed... Then I would go with the one that had the pine fines mm-hmm. and all of that, so I wouldn't be getting the topsoil in the shell. But if you used any of them, mm-hmm. like we said, I mean, if you don't want to think it through so much, then just any organic matter. Yeah, okay. And then you can add as time goes along. Yeah, okay. All right, well, because you hear so many times, you're like, you've got so many different soil amendments out there. Mm-hmm. Is there one, quote, better than another, you know, when I'm planting trees and shrubs? And the short answer is not, no, there's really mm-hmm. not. As uh, if you're getting, I mean, really honestly, you could almost say if you're getting them at the independent garden stores, then they have ones that have a lot more juice mixed in, should I say. Uh, then you get like kind of like just some standard soils from hardware stores or back box stores, but you want to amend that more, right. add more stuff to right. it. Because, you know, you can use a plain potting soil and it's going to grow. Or you can use one that's got lots of good nutrients and it grows more and the blooms are bigger and you water less and you have less insects and diseases if you're just adding more of those microorganisms. Right. And, and I know we've got Dale online. One, but Dale, hang on one more second. Let me just make a comment. And it's kind of like even raised beds. You know, a lot of people would get like a bulk load of garden mix, pro mix or whatever as their base soil, right, in a bulk quantity. If they've got a lot of beds, they need to fill up. But still, you want to go back in there and even amend that soil, right? You know, to make it better. Whether you're putting, you know, uh, uh, you know, garden soils or, or compost, which I love. Any mm-hmm. kind of compost is good compost. Um, so you still want to amend even that soil that you buy that's already a decent soil, but it just doesn't have the nutrient value to it, which is a little different than amending the soil to create good drainage. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Let's go to Dale. Good morning, Dale. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. How are y'all today? We're great. A little wet this morning, but I think we're going to make it through the day just fine. Well, I will, too. Uh, (laughs) I got a question about my bay laurel. It's normally normally green year-round, and um, the alder leaves are dead. Uh, we could bake a lot of stew with it if we wanted to, but <laughs> um, any, anyway, all the tips are dead, but there's green uh, closer to the trunk, and it's 18 feet tall. Wow. <sighs> the bay laurel. Yeah, I love You know, because, you get the real bay leaves off of those. Yeah, didn't that used to uh-huh. not be that hardy here, the it's, bay laurel? It's iffy. I, I have one I grew my, for. Mine's... My, my, uh, I've cut it back so many times. It's next to the house. That's, that's I had no idea that a four-inch uh, plant yeah. was good to get that big. I know. That's why I'm saying it's eight feet tall, and normally they no, used to... No, 18 feet tall. Yeah. I mean, wow. Unfortunately, amazing. we've seen some plants that have made it for many years that are completely burnt this year. 
Now, a lot of the plants out there, thank goodness, Miss Dale, are more superficially burned than they are dead. Uh, but if a bay laurel was ever going to die because of cold weather or the winter, it would definitely be this year. Now, I'm like you. Uh, I think I would clean it up, cut out what's, if you know what's dead, cut it out of there. And I would still give it a little time to flush back out because one, that old and that mature, even at the very least, uh, you might get some growth coming back from the root system. But, um, I mean, only time will tell, Dale, if that thing is uh, is still viable and, and still alive and still, you know, if do you have a good enough root system to flush out new growth? Yeah, I, I would might. wait. I think it's yeah. going to be fun. I know. So that was good and protected. Yes. Yeah, so you, I would definitely wait, especially since it had a big trunk on it, I'm and sure. And a good, good root system. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's about six inches at the bottom. Well, I wow. mean, at the very least also, Dale, go out there and feed that uh, that bay laurel. I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to need some of that extra energy to really flush out. And, and for one to be that close to the house, to be in a microclimate like that, and to be somewhat protected and insulated, Jim's over here shaking his head like he thinks it will come back. Yeah, out. it'll be fine, I think. You're going to lose well, some tip growth, but that's it. I don't, well, I don't, I won't have any tip growth. Every, all the tips have gone. Well, the, it, mm-hmm. the, it's going to sprout below that. I say you're yeah. going to have some tip damage, but you're going to have new leaves sprout, and it may be six to eight inches down, but it'll happen. You know, I, should I, should I, how much should I cut off? Well, what I would do or is just, just, just mm-hmm. go to one of the limbs and start at the tip and start doing a thumbnail test and see how far you have to go back. To just scratch it. Yeah, and and if you get back six inches or eight inches, then that's a good place to trim. Um, so, okay. All right. So I, can, I guess I'll have to trim about a foot off. You might have to. You may have to. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. All right. And what what would you feed it with? Uh, just any non-burning fertilizer. There's a grower special, which is a 1266. If you want to use something that's man-made, synthetic, uh, there's a lot of good organic products out there. Uh, any of the tone products. So polytone would be yeah, excellent. It, it really for it. doesn't. It doesn't care really. But I would definitely feed it. Okay. Well, I already have polytone. Use Perfect. It. <laughs> good. Thank you so much. Hey, oh, thanks for calling this morning. I'm still amazed Thanks, because Dale. it's a med- Mediterranean tree. Yeah, it's so well established. I, there's um, one I saw in a garden here that's probably 25 feet tall. Goodness. Been there forever, but it's extremely well protected. There's mm-hmm. a wall near it that retains heat, faces south. Um, you know, I suspect it got some tip damage yeah. this year, but it it's so well established right. it's going to be fine wow. it's like i've got a 15 foot sweet olive and yeah. knock 90% of the leaves off of it but it's sprouting right near the tip mm-hmm. so it's it's going to be fine it's just going to take a little while yeah. to fill back out yeah see I, we had a few sweet olives but they were tiny and tender so they're gone Toast, really? huh? mm-hmm. they were to- i pro- i think they probably were dry because of where they, these were in the garden center actually but I think they were dry because I really didn't think they were going to be damaged. So that can be a thing. Well, but we had all that rain before, but the location these were in, they did not get any water. But luckily we had the rain before because if we had dryness, yeah. then we'd had a lot more damage. 
And I think we can talk about it. I think we can talk about it when we come back. I'm thinking the Indian hawthorns are still gone. Oh, yeah, me too. Out of all the broadleaf shrubs out there, they took the the beating. They did. We'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning and welcome back to you in the garden. Not in the garden. <laughs> in the Mid-South Garden. We're Wasn't glad you're with us. Yeah, you were. And you just started You weren't on. <laughs> oh well but you were saying something about the sponsors me we out. appreciate dan west and palladio <laughs> for being uh helping sponsor this program yes. and making this uh, available to everybody and uh bonai it makes me think of old bobby bonai we'll have to get him up here one day mm-hmm. yeah. i was wondering uh, about a sales what he was rep doing. for bonai corporation um wonderful brand name by the way Bonai, Jim goes, did you just talk? <laughs> right? I know. And I looked right at you, didn't I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we were in the middle Stay of the about second to hour, on. we're going to talk a little bit about fertilizer. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So. And, but in the meantime, let's talk about a little bit of fungal activity going on potentially in people's zoysia lawns. Oh, but we did say at the last part of the break, just to confirm, that we think the Indian hawthorns are gone, except for maybe the root system. And do we want to wait, cut it flat to the ground or a couple inches off the ground and wait for it to flush you out? You can. Or do we want to change them out? Well, I think, like you said, Veda and Jim, I think, on, on, like I said, the broadleaf evergreens, whether it was a ligustrum, a camellia, a gardenia, an azalea, uh, or a hawthorn, and on down the line, the hawthorns took the brunt of this cold weather the worst. Um you know, on most of the other ones, it was a lot of tissue damage as far as foliage that was completely burned. Think about lower pedlums, but they mm, are flushing yeah. back out. Um, hawthorns, not so much. I mean, we're seeing a lot of bit of, I mean, not only tissue damage, but stem and, you know, stem damage on there, where I think a lot of those are completely dead. And I think a lot of those are dead down to the ground. And then it's a matter of, well, yeah, do I want to go out there and just cut these back and give them three years to flush back out? I mean, if you're patient, you could do that. But I'm, you know, I'm so impatient. I can't, yeah. can't stand that Maybe thought. it depends on where it is, if it was kind of tucked in some other things. So anyway, but so then, much for But that. let me say this real quick, though. But Indian hawthorns, you know, we're on that northern line when it comes to planting hawthorns. But, you know, how often, guys, do we get this kind of weather? Maybe once in every mm-hmm. 30 years where, you know, it stays cold for that long. So, I mean, I still have no problem planting hawthorns, to be honest right, with you. Right, I'm going to plant some yeah. more. So, yeah. yeah, but you never know about what can happen, you know, from winter to winter. We could have the same mm-hmm. kind of winter next year that we had this year. We don't know, Jim. I doubt it, but you don't know. Oh, not. Oh, well. And let's see. We've got a caller, Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. You're in the garden, Mid-South Garden. Good morning. This is you, Beta. Hey, how are you? Where's your nursery located? Oh, we're at um. A big area. Yeah, it is a big. We're what? at Central and Cooper. Yeah, okay. Central and Cooper, or actually, you'd say Central yeah, and Cox. The commercial. Well, where are they located? <laughs> oh, well, that's a good point. No, it don't say. Hmm, that's uh, a good well, point. Go. Yeah. Thank you. The only place I could think of was Cooper Young. Yep. Yeah, it's in that yeah. area, right? Not exactly. Cooper Young, uh, Central. Right. Yes, exactly. 
So that's a good point. We better yeah. put where we're at. Central and Poplar and Dan West is on Poplar and... Highway 64. And you're also on Highway 64. Yeah. I say Poplar and Highway 64 don't meet. But <laughs> Poplar and, yeah, Colonial. That's it. All right. So, yeah, we have got so much color in. But uh, thank goodness Jim is uh, helping get the color to Memphis. Yeah. He's helping pick out the right ones because the availabilities are insane. Not Dem- there. Demand has been again phenomenal, like it was last year. Um, people who you know normally order a couple of racks of annuals are buying seven and eight, ten racks of annuals, and there's just a huge demand, um, both in in color and in vegetables. So yeah, so you have to ooh, be patient with your garden centers because it's like one garden center might get to get these things and the other ones might get to get these things. And that's why, you you know, you can get in the car one Saturday mm-hmm. morning and you just drive and go see them all. Right, just pick them all mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I was glad to get lemongrass. Yep. Thank you. It's lemongrass is awesome. The sun patients, really going to go into those more this year. Because the sun patients have looked beautiful everywhere. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, for years and years and years, you know, we always had New Guinea impatience, mm-hmm. which had the bigger bloom and the bigger leaves. And then they came out with sun patients, uh, which can take actually a little bit uh, more sun than New Guineas can. I mean, what is wrong with a beautiful, bigger blooming impatient with nice looking mm-hmm. foliage that can take more sun, right? Right. There's nothing wrong with that plant. Mm-hmm. And then um, we're going to do more patio pots for the shade with using a few more house plants, too, because, um, you know, you're looking for things for the shade. And a lot of it's mostly a foliage Mm, plant, especially if you're doing containers. And you can only get so many hostas and ferns, and then you're kind of like, I want something else. But house plants have different foliage, different textures also. And then a lot of people incorporate even sometimes herbs and ground covers. Absolutely. uh, You know, in these container-grown plants. I mean, it's... you can. In a container, you can make whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Just because it's an herb or just because it's a ground cover doesn't mean you can't use it in a container. Well, we have the long troughs that you hang on the wall. Hay racks, as they were called at one time. I don't know what. There's so many names for them now with the coconut liner. And so you can grow a um, like a pesto herb garden sure in just can. one of the troughs. You know, oh, you could grow strawberries and they could hang over. You could grow um, even vines like peas and stuff like that if you're not having any soil, if you're trying to grow on the patio, but you don't have any soil in the ground to work on. But you definitely need to keep it very well watered and a lot of fertilizer when you're trying to grow stuff like that in a Well, but also, you know how we were talking about the soil amendments a while ago, it's really important that you use a good high-quality potting soil Mm -hmm. when you're talking about containers, hay racks, and things like that. And there's some really good soils out there, and there's some really bad soils out there when it comes to potting soils. And I've always said a good potting soil, it's going to sound weird, holds moisture, but it drains at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it tries uh, it, to. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't dry up overnight. It doesn't stay gummy wet. It's that fine middle ground that you have to find. But these good, high-quality potting soils are definitely what you want to use, I promise you, in containers. Well, y'all stay tuned. We have another hour. Give us a call so we can talk about what you want to hear. And Jim's going to talk about some fertilizers after the break. And we've got all kinds of things. We'll be right back. The garden help you need. From three of the top experts in the Mid-South, Grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. 
For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning and welcome back. Um, two things real quick before, because it's good since I've got the mic now. If I don't stop talking, then maybe I can say a few things. Ooh, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, can so... I turn around, let me pull a knife out of your back. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Any chance I get. Okay, uh, first, well, I don't remember now. No, I'm kidding. The first thing is the Master Gardeners are going to do another little plant sale in the same fashion that they did last time. And I had a lot of people requesting that anyway, so that's good. And then the other one was we just finished talking about, you know, availability on things. And so I would say if you see it, you better get it because yes. I'm mm-hmm. not sure I can get it again. And uh, I'm also looking for Swiss cheese philodendron. Mm-hmm. Please, I've got to find some. Somebody wants one so bad that we're becoming best friends because we talk to each other every week trying to get a uh, Swiss cheese philodendron. But, you know, that's just good how it's going to be this year. But there's also lots of really different neat plants, too. We may be kind of looking, since we can't get our normal bread and butter stuff because it's going so fast, there's some other things to choose from. Like we have garden jewels. <laughs> That's from what Jim works for Hybels sometimes, and we get garden jewels. Did you get garden jewels? No, what is that? Probably. It's, it's just, I know, it's the name of the line of it, but it's from Hybels, and it's in pretty uh, containers. No, it's and, like five-inch annuals. Oh, yeah, gotcha. But see, okay. garden jewels sounds better than five-inch annuals, yeah, right? Yeah, um, well, I mean, they're... But we'll put it in... Top-of-the-line annuals, you know, they're unusual colors of impatience and sun patience and, and that sort of thing. And then there's the cornerstone oh, sure. in the yellow <clears throat> containers. And I'm loving those because you got um, some great elephant ears and, oh, the ligularia. Mm-hmm. I'm so <clears throat> glad I got that because that's going to be one I'm pushing for shade constantly. I mean, this is the time of year where people are so excited, especially after, uh, you know, winter like we had. Uh, it's kind of like the rebirth of gardening, you know, mm-hmm. people just can't wait to get out there and, and, and plant. And, and, you know, it's, and it's true across the board, whether it's uh, trees, shrubs, uh, annuals and perennials. Uh, they're, they're ready, Veda. Uh, mm-hmm. They just they can't wait. All we need is a few days of sunny weather and off to the races, you yeah. know. And all that color just um, makes the garden center so much <clears throat> more cheery because <clears throat> we had the evergreens in. We had some of the blooming uh shrubs and you know all the kind of standard things but i was like what what is it it's not giving me that that, oh it's the annuals and perennials yeah yeah, it's the color and the sexy stuff that people like to add to their garden you know you you need a green background but Mm -hmm. you want you know that tropical hibiscus just adds uh, some pizzazz to a yeah. Uh, rather bland landscape. <laughs> Besides, we have to have that to attract hummingbirds and birds and bees and butterflies and all that. You need the blooms. Yeah, kind of yeah. like clover does, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Some lady talked to me about that. Well, I, I know we had a client that he's a fescue fescue. He loves it. His yard, he grows it all the time. Getting a little older and kind of like, you know, I'm just so tired of 
this in-depth work on the fescue. So trying, he's re- trying to keep it viable. Yeah, so he's reduced the fescue and actually added clover to well, his area. But it's done strategically. Well, I had a young lady text me the other day. We were talking about the weeds, how, you know, you love the blooming weeds. And it's still a weed, <laughs> okay? And I, I just want to nuke every one of them. And she uh, sent me a text in that she really favored um Veda's point of view. She liked the flowering weeds also. Oh, that reminds and, and me. I, we get a lot of that. On and the and I don't group. mind flowering weeds in, in, in a ditch bank. Mm-hmm. I just don't want flowering weeds in my lawn. You know? Right. Well, <laughs> this lady asked me, do you have daisies? And I said, oh, yeah, right over here. So we walked over there, and it's the miniature, the small daisies. And uh, she goes, isn't that a weed? It's like, no, it's not. So she pulls up a picture of a weed, which... I don't know which one it is, but it's the weed that has the white blooms and the yellow flower in it, and it gets kind of tall. And I'll it's called bet, fleabane. Yeah, that's it. That's it, fleabane. And um, I was like, you know, they kind of are similar, but you'll have this one much longer, and it'll look better, and it's more ornamental. Well, and, and go ahead. Are are you know some blooming flowers are hybridized off a of weed? Well, but I had a guy come in with a clump of uh, Star of Bethlehem. Mm. Uh, had a beautiful white bloom on it, right? And we all know it's kind of like in the onion family. It was growing, yeah. uh, there were clumps growing in his yard. And he's like, man, these things are beautiful. What are they? And I said, well, I mean, it depends on where they're growing. If they're growing in your lawn, it's typically a weed. <laughs> if it's growing in your bed, you know, it's uh, a star of Bethlehem, yeah. right? <laughs> but we also had a texture, guys, uh, Deborah Edwards. Uh, she texted in and says, I am planting several hydrangeas this spring and would like to follow a fertilizer program that will push a lot of new growth this spring season. Uh, what, what do you suggest and what type of schedule? So she's planting mm-hmm. hydrangeas and she wants really good growth on these hydrangeas, and uh, which is going to do anyway, yeah. but it, it never, ever hurts to feed. Right. So what do y'all think about feeding? It's still feeding? using all the compost to start with. And Jim, you were going to talk about fertilizer. Yeah, we're going to so. talk about uh, different types of fertilizer. So anyway. remember, we need to talk about fertilizers specifically for hydrangeas. Yeah, well, you know, with that... First of all, the most important thing is that you're fertilizing, okay? Yeah. And, and let's be realistic. If you walk into Dan West, how many different types of rose fertilizer do you carry? Quite a few, yeah. Okay. Do any of them have the same numbers? Oh, uh, well, I mean, and let me back up. When I say quite a few, I mean, there's answer a— answer my question, yes or no. This is a court. No, no, they, <laughs> no, they, no, they, no, they don't. No, they don't. And, okay, so th- there's really— Without knowing what your soil is deficient right. in, there's no way to say this is a fertilizer specifically for roses. Right. They cannot read the label. <laughs> so all you have to do is fertilize. Now, really with most shrubs, a good feeding about now and another one about the 1st of June is all you need to do. All right. That gives you burst of growth, and typically most evergreen mm. shrubs have two bursts of growth, the early spring, and then one during the summer. You don't want to fertilize too late in the summer because you'll force, likely force new growth that will freeze. Uh, it won't harden, it won't harden off, off before we have cold temperatures. So two, fertil- two fertilizations really is about all you need on shrubs. Turf needs to be almost monthly. Okay, So you've really got, it's a heavy feeder. Uh, and we, when we come back after this next break, we're going to talk about the types of fertilizer, the ratios of those numbers and what they're important to, what you're using in containers. Uh, and we're going to get into some real basics about um, 
what you should and shouldn't be doing with your fertilizer. Well, and for example, on uh, Deborah's text here, you know, as far as hydrangeas go, I mean, there is no particular mm-hmm. fertilizer out there specifically for hydrangeas. Uh, yeah, there's not a hydrangea yeah, fertilizer. I mean, whether you're using a good organic fertilizer like mm-hmm. Hollytone or Plantone, Hollytone if you want the blooms blue, yeah. Plantone you put on anything, or whether you're using a good synthetic fertilizer, uh, for like for the Grower Special, the mm-hmm. Start and Grow, Osmocote, any of those are absolutely fine. I just like using a fertilizer because I'm always heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. I like using a fertilizer that is non-burning. Okay. Yeah. And most of these fertilizers that you buy now off the shelf are considered non-burning fertilizers. Not all of them, so you got to be careful. But even on the non-burning, you know, you still don't want to go crazy overboard. A lot of times more necessarily isn't better. You know, I always looked at fertilizers um, in, in a health term, in terms of I can go all day on coffee, um, energy drinks, all that. But as the day goes on, I'm less and less doing well. I don't have the much because you have the crashes. And then the next day, there's still more crashes. So I'm lived on sugar and all that. But I can still get the same energy if I would space it out, have protein and milk and all the good components, have more longevity and more health that way. So I always felt like the synthetics was all that big boost of the sugar and the coffee and the caffeine and the well, drinks. The, the quick release of that. Yeah. And then the organic was, I guess, lack of a better word, your meat and potatoes. It's always there in the soil. When the plant needs it, it feeds it. Like my body, the good food's there. When my body needs it, it takes it. But every now and then you the need sh- that tablespoon of sugar, though. And that coffee, too. <laughs> but, and she's been eyeing a half a Snicker bar exactly. that's down here on top. Of a microwave exactly. So I think I'm starting the the day off with uh, synthetic fertilizer in my system. Yes, but that's just a you know another little thing that I kind of compare. And when to. we come back, this will be a garden show. What, what I'm talking <laughs> instead, about instead organic. of Vitamins USA. Oh, 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 right. <laughs> But we're the same plants and and people. We use the same nutrients, actually. We have to because all of us breaks down into the soil and comes back as a plant. We'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning and welcome back. It was a call, 260-5926. You're here with Vader from Palladio, Kenneth with Dan West, mm-hmm. and Jim with his gardening page and Hybels and Tannic Garden and Garden Talks. <laughs> and <laughs> We're chasing you around. Oh, the home show this weekend. Yeah, I'll be at the home show about 1 o'clock in the... Uh, at the Ag Center? Yeah, at the Ag Center at the uh, Tool Talk, Tool Show booth tool talk yeah is it tool talk yeah i can't yeah. remember tool talk show booth yep that'll be fun they're fun too they come on right after us but let me just say this uh with with uh deborah edwards who did text in as far as the fertilizer i know we mentioned any of the tone products like holly tone mm-hmm. plant tone they're perfectly fine for hydrangeas and you're not going to burn with those products and also the synthetics like the grower special the 1266 you can use on anything of course mm-hmm. any kind of nursery stock is perfect for it. it's a three-month feed and then there's one called Start and Grow, which has got a little more nitrogen in it, uh, also a three-month feed. But as long as you're sticking, I like, the, to the uh, the non-burnings, whether it's organic or whether it's synthetic, Deborah, any of those products are perfectly fine to use on a hydrangea. 
And like Jim was saying, in fact, maybe you said, uh, go ahead and do it now and then come back what in early June yeah. uh, and, and do it again. And that really should set you up for the, for the whole yeah. year. You know, with the say is we fertilize those right after they bloom. And it, the only reason is because so many of the azaleas bloom late. And if you fertilize them before they bloom, they pump the new growth out and covers your flower. And the flower bud is set at the end, at the tip of last year's uh, growth. Right. So, you know, if you'll just wait till after they bloom, you'll have better show on your plants. Okay. Um, so there's one thing I was wondering about because uh, you're saying like the synthetics, the 61212 and all that. Well, they, the 1266. Yeah, that one too. They um, uh, are three month feed. Right. And then I have heard that. Uh, they really don't last three months because if the plant's not going to utilize it, then it uh, uh, it just dissipates in the soil. So the you know after about three months and the plant hadn't utilized it, then you didn't get a hundred percent of your fertilizer. Jim, help us with that. Gloria, one. Jamie, y'all hang on just a second. Yeah. Okay. All right. It a good quality fertilizer is going to give you a little bit of quick release. To give you a little green. The nitrogen. And then it's going to constantly feed over the next 60, 90, 120 days, depending on the type of fertilizer. Right. Organic fertilizer is not cannot be absorbed by the plant. It has to be broken down. So that's the reason it can't burn. It takes a little while for the microbes to break that down and make that available to the plant. Same thing, same nitrogen, same phosphorus, same potash, regardless of how you get it, it's all the same thing. After it's broken down. Right. So, but the plants can't use it till it's broken down. Right. So, the most important thing is stay away from what we call farm grade fertilizers. Triple 13, 612, 12. These have all ammoniacal nitrogen. They're about a three-day feed, okay? <laughs> it's pretty much gone really quick. And it's like giving it a little bit of sugar and making it grow, and, and, but it's not a it's not a long-term healthy way to feed your well, plant. But you can use those type fertilizers, but you better be careful because they can flat out burn if you uh if you don't if you have a heavy hand and you don't water them in. For vegetable gardens, they're fine because yeah. you're going you want to feed those constantly and and give them fairly often doses of fertilizer to force. Now, of course, you want to look at your fertilizer. If you want green growth, you know, you, you want to pick a nitrogen you, with a high number. Uh, grasses tend to like about a 7-1-1 ratio. Right. So something like a 24-3-3, 24-4-7, right. or it may have no phosphorus in it. But the main thing is getting that 25 to 30 or so. And that's going, but look at that nitrogen in there. It's got a very small amount of ammoniacal nitrogen. Then it's got urea formaldehydes or sulfur-coated ureas right. or other things that are going to feed over an extended period of time. Now, if you're feeding your containers, you want to stay away from those, uh, particularly those salt-forming fertilizers, things like miracle Grow. okay? They will do nasty things to your plant. Now, you think it's growing and looking healthy, but it's really not. If you see that white, uh, crystally stuff form at the drain holes or around the, uh, the soil line, that's salt, and that can burn the tips of your plants, and it's Again, very quick release, mm -hmm. but 
no long term at all. Mm-hmm. So stick to better quality things, whether it's an organic like fish emulsion, seaweed, whatever you like there. And there's uh, so many of them. Uh, John's fertilizer. What's uh, well, they used to be John's yeah. recipe, but yeah, whatever. The Fox Farm, Fox Farm, yeah, yeah. Farm, yeah. Big Bloom, and so forth. Right. Uh, those are good quality fertilizers. Okay, and uh, there you want to kind of disregard what you look at on the label because they'll have numbers that are relatively low, four, six, four, so forth. The organics, but yeah. what you're doing, you're still giving them the same amount of nitrogen per square foot is if you got some. Something that's a higher, okay? It's going to cover a little more, but you're still giving them the same amount of fertilizer. But you want to stay away in containers from anything. Uh, most granular fertilizers like your rose food and that sort of thing, those are really not geared towards containers. Mm-hmm. Um, any of the plantone products are good. Um, Osmocote mm-hmm. is a good one, the 1266, mm-hmm. the nursery special or, or gardener special, as mm-hmm. they call it. Those are good quality fertilizers that you can use with little salt buildup. So, you know, if you're not sure what to use, go to your independent garden center and talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and get the right fertilizer. Okay. Mm-hmm. But again, the most important thing is that you do it. Okay. Right. Yeah. See, the, I used to be a pesticide operator. I used to um, just sell, just use Miracle Grow and peat moss. And this is years and years and years ago. And then a girl started working for us that she was all organic. I'm like, Psh, whatever. And so we're going to have a competition. I'm going to do a color bowl of flowers and all that. And she's going to do one. And so I did all my knowledge, everything I know. And then she did all her little organic stuff. And by this middle of summer, uh, it was hers was beautiful. Her soil was good. She watered. I watched her work less than I did on mine. Mine just quite didn't, I mean, it looked good, but it just didn't quite have that rich color. And I was working more on watering. My soil was becoming a little bit hard. Hers was still nice. By the time we got to the end of the season, hers was nice and mine was just okay, but it was there. So from that point on, I was convinced. And then I I was able to do my entire yard for until I moved. And that was like five years, 100% organic, Mm. no chemical. So that's why I'm really into it and love it. But however, there are, you know, variations and things if you have to add. So I didn't have to do any weed killer or no, I used pre-emergence like that organic one. But I didn't have to do insecticides and all of that because the, in- the insects were kind of low because I had such a healthy yard and a whole bunch of different things. So a lot of times to be organic, you have to plant with that thought process in mind too. Yeah. But, I, and I agree with both of y'all, but I also mm-hmm. agree with what Jim was saying that, you know, for example, and, and Gloria, I know, and Jamie, we'll, we'll get to y'all right after this break, but you know, if you've got a, a container, uh, it's important that you use the right type of fertilizer for that container. You don't want to go out there and grab a handful of triple 13 and sprinkle that in that container. You could mm-hmm. flat out burn everything that's in there or ammonium nitrate, urea, anything like that. Whether it's a water-soluble, whether it's granulated, or whether it's organic, 
there are variations, like you just said, Veda, of those different types of fertilizers. So it's great to feed your plants. Mm-hmm. I mean, pl- plants need that extra nutrient value. Yeah. Um, but you got to make sure that you use the right type of fertilizer. Well, I may do all organic, but if I did a, had to have something happening within a week, I might sneak a little bit of fast-acting fertilizer just to get the it to bloom out have a little quicker. Have we got that on tape? So yeah, I, I got to say, I, I might, heart. might do that. We'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back. I was about to go point at uh, Jim and say, take it away, but he was drinking coffee. Yeah. There was your chance. Yeah, and you last were time coffee. I tried to say something, yeah, she just talked me. right but over you. Wait, yeah. did, did I talk over him or what? Wait, are you just saying it because you like me or? Producer says no. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. There's the gospel <laughs> right there. Oh, look at well, the he just Working magic his, in the booth over here. He just <laughs> lost his Christmas present. <laughs> Good morning, Jamie. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hello, Jamie. Good morning. Hey, Jamie. Good morning to you. Do y'all realize y'all really are international? Mm, no, I, sir. I mean, we've got some, we got some friends who live in Toronto, Canada, Ron and Roberta Walker, and they're great friends of ours. And just, uh, I think their growing season is sometime Thursday afternoon in August. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really... Oh, I wondered how that went. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, they're listening, so anyway, I just had to get that name in. That's great people. And uh, uh, anyway... <laughs> Thank I, I you for listening. I wonder how growing season is, but... Anyway, I, I wanted to let you know that uh, we got more plants for the master gardeners, and they're going to extend the sale uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week from nine to one. Mm-hmm. It's at the it's at the greenhouse, which is on the Parkway, right next to the firehouse, mm-hmm. and uh, you can you you have to make an appointment. Uh, at, you can email them at emamgplantsale at gmail dot com or call this number. To make an appointment, 901-483-4851. That's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of, uh, correction, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week. So anyway, I just had to get that in for them. It's been a big success. They've just got more plants than they anticipated Mm -hmm. selling. So anyway, it's a great opportunity for folks to, you know, uh, pick up some plants. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 9 to 1, you said, Jamie. Yes, sir, huh? And 483-4851 is the phone number to call. Uh, 483-4851, <laughs> that's correct. You got it. Thank you, Jamie. Thank well, we you. We certainly appreciate y'all. Thanks, Jamie. Have a great weekend, But Until Jan, we said hello. Uh, yeah, I mean, y'all, people are so into plants right now. I mean, this is, there again, I mean, early spring is, is when people are going crazy, you know, which is a great thing in my book. Right. Um, I had people asking, could spring fling go a little bit longer? So this was 281 East Parkway North mm-hmm. is where the spring fling is going to be. And, and that's uh, so you can do and it And Gloria, hang on one second. Yeah, if you go to the Memphis Botanic Garden site, you'll see they put up their plant list, I believe, yesterday or the day before. So I have a list of all of the things they'll be selling there. And that's just what Memphis Botanic Gardens. Yes. Jim. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, let's go to Miss Gloria for the garden news. Good morning, Gloria. You're you're here with us. In the garden. 
Morning, Kenneth, Jim, and Beta. Howdy, Morning, howdy. Gloria. Hey, Sorry. I have, I have um, four plant sales to tell you about. All righty. Okay, the first one is the Fayette Cares plant sale, which will be ending online on April 13th. And they added new plants this week. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So if you, you haven't checked lately, they've added new plants. And they're good people. Yes, ma'am. They are, and that all the money goes goes to families yeah. uh, in need. And you will pick up your order on April 17th mm-hmm. from 9 to 2 mm-hmm. at West Junior High School in Oakland. And in that 13100 Highway 194 mm-hmm. in Oakland, Tennessee, and they will send you a receipt once you order your plant. Right. And I mean, it comes super quick. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. It comes the same day. Yeah. Okay. But be sure and make a copy of that. Right. Okay. And and so you have it, and you know what it has on there exactly what plants you you bought. Right. And then after you pick it pick it up through drive through, you know, go over to the side or somewhere right. and just check your order because you don't you you don't you want to make sure you got everything. That's right, of order. course. Yeah. Okay, before you leave Oakland because that's a long journey back. Right. <laughs> okay. And and to um, add on to the Master Gardener um, Spring Fling pop up sale, Linda told me to mention this because this was. Was important besides having to have your appointment. Mm-hmm. Okay, you need to bring boxes for your plants or a small wagon. Nothing, nothing big, because mm-hmm. they have no space for a, for a real big wagon or anything. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, and to wear your mask, and they will accept check, credit card, or exact cash. They have. No way of giving you change. Right. I got you. Okay. And Dixon, Litterman, and Botanic have all got their their plant sales on online. So for Dixon, go to www.dixon.org to make your appointment mm-hmm. and to look at the and, and see um, a few pictures of their plants. Of what they're going to be offering, plus the list. And Litterman, you go to www.memphismuseum to make your appointment. Hmm. And their plant list is on sale. I mean, their plant list is, is online. It's online, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, to go for Litterman, you can call... Nine zero one six three six two two one one. Right. Okay. Between eleven a.m. and two p.m. and just sign up and look and and mm-hmm. they've got it. They made it everything really easy. They really have all of them have made things really easy. Oh Lord! I mean, you know, one the other day, you know, it doesn't seem like it was just yesterday. We were all going to these things in person. And then mm-hmm. it's so weird now that all of a sudden we can't, or, or you know, especially last year, and, and to some extent, even most of the extent, not even this year. 
So they've done a phenomenal job of making it available to us online. Yep, I've already got my appointment for the Dixon. There you go. One thirty this coming Thursday. I'm going to be there. Mm. Yeah. That's funny that we're making appointments to visit. I know places like that, but we're still doing it. Yeah, we're making they have, it. you know, particularly at Dixon, they have uh, they have so many really unique plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Lichterman, you got a world of natives. Yeah. Okay, and then the Botanic Garden has just got a huge selection of color, uh, shrubs, trees. It's um, it's phenomenal. You have to here. go to all. Yeah. Because they're different. Yes. Very different. Thank you, Miss Gloria, for calling in and giving us the Gordon Gordon News. The Gordon The Gordon News. Yeah. Thanks, Gloria. You know, I'm speaking different accents since we're international. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> According to Jamie. <laughs> right. So um, then... Yeah, I've got a little, another text. Uh, got one in from Audrey Fielding. Uh, is it a myth, guys, that first rounds of new plants to a nursery aren't hardy? Wait and get flowers later towards May. Um, so is it okay to get the first round of plants that come into mm-hmm. a garden center, talking about annuals, or do annuals. we have to wait, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get flowering plants later on at garden centers? Well, we all three know that's going to be a long answer because there's variables. Well, yeah, but the answer is no. The first ones are fine, okay? There's no difference in the plants. They're raised in the same greenhouses. The issue is where you're planting them, and that's going to be your soil temperature. Right. If you put them in early... You're going into cold ground. They're going to be slower to produce. Um, in some plants, will be permanently stunted, like vinca and zinnias. Yeah. You can't put them in cold ground. Mm-hmm. Can't put caladiums in cold ground. Mm-hmm. So these type things, yeah, it's you're going to. It would you're appear, going to purposely wait. Yeah, it mm-hmm. would appear that you're going to have faster growing plants. By waiting till May, because the ground temperature is so much warmer. The bacteria is kicked in. It mm-hmm. can break down the nutrients that the plant needs. It's cold ground early on. So it is a myth. There's nothing wrong with the plants. It's mm-hmm. what's wrong with your yard. Well, <laughs> it's not really what's wrong with your yard. It is. It's cold. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're right. It's <laughs> so what's it wrong with the soil. Yeah. I Tell got you. It's not wrong. But, but you're right, Jimmy. And it comes to vinca and zinnias and okra and those kind of things. You de- And caladiums. You definitely want to wait yeah. until the nighttime temperatures are warmer than they have been. But we're getting there now. Though. Right. But we're going to have some full mid-40s this week. Going to have a little chill. Mm-hmm. So. It's a good thing you don't have your vincas and your zinnias in the ground. We'll Just be, yet? Yeah. We'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hi, guys. Um, I've got a question about the uh, like the various chemicals that you might spray on your lawn. Not, not fertilizer or weed killer. Um, but the stuff that uh, like controls insects and mm-hmm. rubs and, mm-hmm. and moles, um, can you spray that stuff anytime, or or do you have to wait like temperature or other types of things? Not yeah. with the insecticide, though. No. You can put it down anytime. I wouldn't put it down when you're expecting four inches of rain. You know, um, try to put it down just after a rain or when you've got a couple of days so that it's not immediately washed away. But no, it uh, makes no difference for its temperature or anything. Yeah, and whether it's fleas, ticks, chiggers, ants, grubs, yeah. whatever you're trying to kill. I mean, there's some really good broad-spectrum 
uh, insecticides, whether it's a uh, like a bifenthrin, you know, which are really good to good spray product. on the lawns. Uh, has good residual, uh, the permethrins, mm-hmm. you know, they're, um, I mean, typically uh, a, a pyrethroid uh, type product is what you're going to be using, Mark. But no, like she said, as long as it's not mm-hmm. going to rain for uh, 24 hours. Now, later on when it starts getting really hot, I don't care what I'm spraying. I like to spray in the early morning or late mm-hmm. in the afternoon. I never like to spray during the heat of the day, even on my lawn, uh, even though it's not as critical if you're spraying your lawn as to, opposed to spraying your you know your plant material. Well, what about the for the grubs? Do we have to wait till they're more in the surface of the soil? No, not if you're using something like a metacloprid. It's going to mm-hmm. be there for nine to twelve months, so you can put it down anytime. Yeah, so I'm I'm going off a, an old school chemical that you used to have to wait to a certain time because it didn't last like the metacorpid because that's a new one. Right, you know yeah. things like diazonon dursban that we used to use needed to go on during that time they're at the surface, yeah. which typically is anywhere from the first of May mm-hmm. until right. the end of June, right. basically. Uh, but with a metacloprid. Anytime you you put a, the granular down, doesn't matter when. So organic has made it so much easier for me, and the new innovation of the different types of chemicals makes it easy. And they're much safer than people. than the old products. Because we used to have to, you know, educate people when they came in, and and so many things were on a timing. We were writing stuff out and trying to get them on the right time. But there's more leniency now, even with the synthetic fertilizers, yeah, too. Yeah, no doubt. Let's go to Rich. Good morning, Rich. You're in the garden. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Rich. What's going on today, buddy? My mother, or sorry, my, my wife wants to uh, do some husbandry with hummingbirds. She wants to plant some plants that will attract them. Yeah, and the, the oh. short answer is anything that blooms red. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the or easy, quick flowers. one, yeah. So I'll tell, like, tell you what, if you're not, join our Facebook group. It's Mid-South Gardening, Gardening in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. We have a section that's files, and in that I have a hummingbird plant list that has tropicals, it has uh, perennials, mm-hmm. annuals, shrubs, anything that would be a, a good hummingbird food mm-hmm. plant. And it's quite extensive. It's a good list. Well, I know we have- quick, for a quick answer, too, like the hummingbirds that are the plants that I have, like are geraniums, uh, hibiscus, mm-hmm. and salvia. Mm-hmm. They love those. So those are just three quick, easy ones. Honeysuckles. Like, there's a big list, yeah. yeah. Well, That's we're a- thinking about planting a vine in the backyard to use as a screen mm-hmm. over a fence. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were wondering if there's a vine that would feed hummingbirds. Yeah, use uh, there, there's a, a native honeysuckle uh, called Major Wheeler. Mm-hmm. It has red flowers. It's the longest blooming of any of the honeysuckles, and it's not super aggressive like some honeysuckles are, but it is spectacular. Mine's about to bust into full bloom right now, mm-hmm. and it's a, and it's good because I saw it just this week. I saw my first hummingbird at my house. Is it uh, fragrant? Uh, not so much. Not a lot. No. Okay. Yeah. And Jim, what about the campsis, the hummingbird vine? Yeah, and there, mm-hmm. there are a couple other ones, you know, like bignonia and campsis. Uh, those are mm-hmm. good vines, but they are large. They're mm-hmm. going to have to have some support. If it's just a fence, the major wheeler honeysuckle is by mm-hmm. far your best choice. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we're thinking of a uh, post and rail fence. You know, it's going to be substantial. Oh, so well, I could grow, I could grow a Syria on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you could grow you could grow something like uh, Campsis or Trumpet Creeper, uh, or Bignonia Calvine or Cow H Vine or whatever they mm-hmm. want to call it. Uh, have that some major major honeysuckle was what was that name? Major, major Wheeler. W H. Major Wheeler. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks, thanks for the call. See, I was thinking about bignonia, too, but I thought they bloomed before the hummingbirds were out. You know, I've had hummingbird the earliest on the mm-hmm. last day of February feeding off of mm-hmm. one of my red camellias. I do uh, This year, I did not. I had virtually no flowers on that particular one. Oh. Uh, so uh, I, I, this one, this week. Just happened to see the first one. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: yeah. Can you, uh, you know, let's say if you if your landscape is fairly diverse, and Rich is going to put stuff in there, uh, and his wife, to attract hummingbirds, whether it's vines, some vines, uh, some tropicals, uh, some perennials, and some annuals. Okay, can you keep <clears throat> those hummingbirds around if you don't have a feeder? I mean, if we had plenty and plenty if, of plants. If there's lots of flowers, they're probably yeah. going to visit it. But you're you know? saying, but why would you go through all that trouble and oh. not have some feeders up also? So, yeah, I'd still oh, put right, feeders up. Right. You know, <clears throat> the feeder and your flowers are not their primary food. Their primary food's insects. Mm-hmm. They're in the trees zipping around getting gnats and all this kind of stuff. That's their main food. What we're doing is just giving them mm-hmm. a little bit of energy with some flowers or some sugar water. Some easy food. Yeah. Right. Okay. But, you know, don't, don't think that <laughs> that what you're doing with flowers is, is keeping them alive. They're up there mm-hmm. eating every little tiny insect off your plant. And, and I had an ash tree, a couple of ash trees, and the hummingbirds just loved to, to I've got a hide in there got the from my thing. cat. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd see them dart out to get the plants and dart back in the tree, and the cat's just insane trying to get them. And what about so. the hummingbird food? You know, you can buy pre-made mm-hmm. liquid hummingbird food. You can buy crystals that you mix in water, or you can make your own. But in the old way of thinking, you know, a lot of people would have the red dye uh, in with mm-hmm. their hummingbird food. And I've heard pros and cons about that. You know, I've heard, well, no, you don't really need a dye. In fact, you don't even want a red dye in your liquid uh, hummingbird food that's in the feeder because it actually can be bad for the hummingbirds. Yeah, but even even Snoop, Snoops or whatever that uh, website is mm-hmm. did a thing a number of years ago about that. There is no proof that red dye harms it. But at the same time, there's no proof that it doesn't. So why put it in there? Yeah, you don't yeah. need it. You know, you can with just sugar and water at a four to one ratio. That's all you need. Okay, you don't have to put anything red in it. Um, so, you know, but the, there's never going to be anybody test that because the <laughs> FDA wouldn't allow it. Uh, right. But chances are that it's not substantially hurting the hurting the birds right um but then again if it's not beneficial though right but at, it, at all it, why it do is it? made from petroleum business and a lot of this goes back to red dye number 40 you know yeah. which was so bad and they don't use that anymore in That's the hummingbird right. food right so. can you throw that question out real quick well bob uh, bob just texted in and said what's a good non-flowering green plant for the front yard gets full sun in the summer Distillium. Distilliums? Oh, I mean, maybe Jim Boxwoods, Wintergreen Boxwoods. Uh, Bob, we'll talk about this more next weekend when we got just another minute to to answer that question. All right. We will see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden. Bye, guys.